When you when you hear the word courtesy, this is probably, at least if you're like me, what comes to mind. May I, or please, or thank you, or you're welcome. And recently somebody told me that um, they're suspicious anytime someone's courteous to them. I was like, that's kind of strange. And like, yeah, because from their perspective, uh, courtesy was insincere. And they felt like that people only used courtesy if they wanted something from you or if they were trying to get you to do something uh, that you know, trying to get them, you to do something that they wanted you to do. And so it kind of made me ask this question, you know, is courtesy outdated? Is courtesy even necessary? It's certainly in short supply in our society. So have we just outgrown it? And I was kind of surprised when I was going through this book to see that uh, courtesy was on Dr. Chapman's list of characteristics for living a transformed life. And so I was looking kind of forward to it and I started to dig into it. I was like, well, this is cool, but I don't, where does this come from? Is this even uh, in the Bible? And sure enough, it was, actually. As I investigated further, I understood that courtesy is more than what we might imagine as being nice to people. And so the definition of courtesy is important to us today as we look at this. And so courtesy is this, the act of treating everyone as a personal friend. If we believe every person we meet is valuable, courtesy will be inevitable. And so you guys, if you've been here with us or if you haven't, the foundation of this whole thing, what we've been talking about in this uh, relationship goal series is the idea that relationships are the foundation of everything that is most important to God, right? The thing he commands us to do is to love him. So that's a relationship. But he also commands us to love other people, which is also a relationship. It's all the whole Bible, everything. It's all about relationships and how uh, we, do with those relationships. That's the baseline of all of it. And so the way that we relate to and love God and other people, and of course ourselves, I think as well, um, that's the thing that enables us to live out the commandments. And these are the things that Jesus said were most important. This is a quote from Dr. Chapman, Gary Chapman, from his book that we've kind of been looking at. And here's what he says. The popular conception of courtesy is to be well-mannered. The word courtesy, however, is much richer. It means to be friendly-minded. In the world of relationships, not everyone will choose to be our friend. But courtesy motivates us to treat all as friends in our speech and behavior. So, courtesy isn't superficial. Courtesy isn't manipulative. It's actually a way of life for anybody that wants to love other people authentically. And that may sound strange, but we're going to look at it today. Here's another thing to keep in mind. Courtesy is also a source of joy. You're like, well, how is that possible? Well, think about it this way. Think about the last time that somebody did something courteous for you that you didn't expect. And I'm not talking about maybe your husband or your wife or somebody that lives with you, but just some stranger, some person out there in the world did something kind for you, did something courteous for you that surprised you. Well, I would suggest that that uh, is a spark of joy. It's a moment of joy. How often are we surprised by acts of courtesy from other people uh, going about our day, especially now the fact that they don't happen that often, right? So they're even more surprising. And I think part of the reason this is, is because we live lives that mostly demand things from us. If you think about it, we're always thinking about the next thing we have to get to, the next thing that we have to do, the next demand we have to fulfill. Well, I've got all of these chores that I need to do, and I've got all of these uh, to-do list things that I've got to check off. And then I have to go Marie Kondo my whole closet, and then I have to do this, and I have to do all these other things. Life demands all of this stuff from us, right? And so when somebody goes out of their way to be friendly to us, it's kind of like opening this tiny little gift in the middle of our day. 
and it brings us joy. It sparks joy in our lives. And so courtesy is a quality of God's love also that we can easily share with people. Courtesy isn't hard. It's just thinking about other people. And I believe it's a way that we can express God's love to other people. So the more that we are courteous, the more that we delight in seeing other people respond to our kindness. And so that may sound kind of selfish to you, like, well, that's not very altruistic. I mean, you're not really doing it for other people if you get joy or you know, happiness out of it. Well, I think God designed us that way. I think God designed us so that our hearts would actually be filled, like our own tanks would be filled by serving other people. I think that's something he put in us. So it's not selfish at all. It's one of the ways that we can express love to other people. In his letter to Titus, Paul gives us some encouragement and he gives us some wisdom. And he gives instruction to this man who was basically uh, struggling with this early group of believers, this church or this community of Jesus followers he was overseeing. And a lot of this letter is spent uh, dealing with and describing how these men and women of God are to be doing good work but they're to be doing this good work in spite of the circumstances they find themselves in, whether it's persecution or being ridiculed, whether it's uh, through the Romans or the other people that surrounded them or whether it's through even maybe some of the other Jewish leaders that didn't agree with uh, where they were headed or what they were doing. And so a lot of time is spent on how they should do that and how they should live it out in the opposition that they were facing in the world, especially with competing beliefs. And so here's what Paul says to Timothy. This is his challenge. He says, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient and to be ready for every good work, to speak evil to no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. And although courtesy is certainly found in how we speak about others and how we maybe avoid conflict and certainly in the gentleness that we treat other people, Courtesy also means that we're being neighborly. And of course, Mr. Rogers was the gold standard example of neighborliness, right? And one of the things that I love about Mr. Rogers is he doesn't wait. Like if you think about uh, the situation where they're asking Jesus, like, you know, okay, what's the most important thing? And he tells them to love your neighbor as yourself, right? And so then they follow it up with the question, like, well, who is my neighbor? Mr. Rogers doesn't ask that question. Have you ever noticed? He basically just says, you know what? Won't you be my neighbor? He's not waiting to qualify that so he knows how short the list is. Mr. Rogers is trying to grow the list of neighbors. That's pretty sweet. And I think we should do likewise. And so this is fast becoming a lost art in this world, being a good neighbor. Uh, it's something that I think a lot of us struggle with. We maybe don't even know who our next door neighbors are. And if we do, we kind of give them a hello or, you know, a, hey, how you doing? But then we're in the house as quickly as possible, or maybe we just try to avoid eye contact, you know, and just get in there as quick as possible so that we don't engage in a conversation. I was speaking with someone the other day, and they were talking about even our homes have, have come to reflect this. It used to be that the inner spaces of our homes were smaller, right? You'd have these smaller rooms, and then the outer spaces, like the porches, were big. They were huge. And the idea was that that large porch was an invitation to everybody in your neighborhood. It was an invitation because your family would be out there and you'd be hanging out. You spent most of your time there. And it was an invitation for anyone to come and stop and sit and hang out and enjoy some time with you so you could get to know your neighborhoods. These porches were a sign of welcome and an invitation to people. But that's not really the way that it is anymore. In Genesis 18, this kind of courtesy is reflected in the story of Abraham and his wife, Sarah. And some of you probably know this story, but their courtesy becomes the example of how we are supposed to treat others when, uh, in expressing who God is and his love for them. So here's the story. Abraham is sitting at the door of his tent, and there's all kinds of really cool Jewish stuff that I don't have time to go into about the tent itself, but you should research it because it's neat. But he's sitting at the door of his tent. It's the hottest part of the day. 
And of course, he's out in this desert area, right? And he looks out and he sees these three strangers walking. And it gets his attention. In fact, it startles him. He's like, wow, what's up with that? Because most of the time, people don't travel in the hottest part of the day. People in the desert are smarter than that. So unless it's an emergency or they have to travel, they try to travel during the cooler times. And so he looks out, he sees these three men walking in the heat. He's startled. And so... uh, we, we, in the story, Abraham doesn't exactly get, a, get the sense of what's going on, okay? Because he's sitting there actually talking with God. He's having this conversation, and that's when he looks up and he sees these people. And so the author gives us some clues that Abraham doesn't have. We get the sense that these travelers are actually connected in some way to God, or they have some sort of connection, but Abraham doesn't know. He has no idea. And so here's what it says in Genesis 18, verse 1. And the Lord appeared to Abraham by the oaks of the Mamre, and he sat down at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. He lifted up his eyes and looked. Behold, three men were standing in front of him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth. And he said, O Lord, if you've found favor in your sight, do uh, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and the rest for yourselves under the tree while I bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh yourselves. And after that, you may pass on since you've come to your servant. And so they said, do as you've said. So at almost 100 years old at this point, it says that Abraham runs. He gets up and he runs and he's probably in robes and all that stuff, you know, and there's all kinds of really cool symbolism there. But he gets up and he runs to these men and he bows as an honor or a respect to them and welcomes them as friends. Now, Abraham's open-hearted, generous hospitality to these total strangers, right? It knows no bounds. Uh, He has water brought for them to bathe their feet. Of course, you know, traveling in the desert, we know that uh, your feet would get really, really dusty, especially when you're wearing sandals or flip-flops or whatever these guys had on, right? So he has water brought, and then he invites them to rest under this tree, and there's all kinds of cool symbolism there too. And then he promises to fetch them a morsel of bread, but what he actually does is he prepares a feast for them. And this is kind of a funny part of the story to me because I've always often wondered, you know, like these guys are sitting there and he says, I'm going to go get you a snack basically. And how long did it take to go out and, and, you know, kill this animal and then skin this animal and prepare this animal and prepare the feast and bake the bread and all the stuff that had to happen. And so they're just kind of hanging out here with him. Another thing to consider as a part of the story is like Abraham had lots and lots of servants, 318 servants that were born in his household right? He was a man of wealth. He could have sent any of them to go do this. He could say, hey, go out there, tell those guys to stop by. That'd be really, really cool. But instead, he personally anticipated and attended to the needs of these guests. And the text clues us into the fact that these guys, of course, are no ordinary wayfarers, but Abraham is completely unaware. And yet, Abraham's courtesy becomes an act of worship. And if you don't remember anything else that I say today about courtesy, this is the one I want you to take away. Our courtesy towards other people and showing God's love in the way that we treat other people should be an act of everyday worship for us. And so you'll have to read the rest of the story to find out what they tell him, uh, what happens. It's really, really cool. But Abraham's courtesy to these men doesn't just end with the meal. It's like, okay, that was great. See you guys later. Just leave your napkins and plates and we'll take care of that and just be on your way, right? No, he actually shows them to the door, which means he helps them through that area to their next destination. In the Midrash, which is commentaries on the the scriptures by rabbis and sages, suggests that there's a really important meaning found here. As this encounter in Genesis 18 opens up, of course, he's chatting with God. But then these strangers show up, and Abraham drops everything with urgency. Have you ever thought about that? 
he's hanging out with God and then these people show up and okay, sorry, hang on God. And he goes and he, he helps these guys. That doesn't seem especially appropriate, does it? Like if you think about it in your personal life, let's say, and you have this prayer time, you know, with God and you're in there, you're in this room or wherever you go and you are just pouring out your heart to God and then also all of a sudden something interrupts it and we're like, hang on a second, I'm talking to God here, okay? Someone knocks on the door, final sighting, right? It doesn't seem especially appropriate to interrupt this conversation with God to rush over and to help out some strangers. But the sages believed that this was actually a lesson. And here's what they said. They said that anytime we welcome people, it's like welcoming God. So even when we feel that whatever the spirit thing is we got going on and life interrupts that, it's not actually an interruption. It's an opportunity for us to welcome God and other people. So the question that I ask them is, okay, well, if that's true, if this is true, that anytime we welcome people, it's like welcoming God, then is the opposite also true? That anytime we refuse to welcome someone, are we refusing to welcome God? Have you ever thought about that? These are important questions to ask. And so in Matthew 23, Jesus shares a story that illustrates this scene, of course, and most of us know this, but it's this scene of final judgment, okay? You know, and he's separating. The nations have gathered and he's separating uh, sheep from goats and that whole thing. And he's putting some on one side and some on the other, uh, separating the righteous from the cursed, it says. And so he says to the righteous, and this is in Matthew 25, 35, when I was hungry, you gave me food. And when I was thirsty, you gave me drink. And when I was a stranger, you welcomed me. Right, And then he goes on to say, of course, you know, you gave me clothes and you visited when I was sick and you visited me when I was in prison. And then there's this moment where the righteous in the story, they're like, Lord, I don't remember doing that at any time for you. Like, what are you talking about? And of course, we know his answer, right? It's like, well, when you've done that for the least of these, you've done it for me. When you visited that person that was in need when they were sick, it's just like you visited me as if I were sick. When you gave that person a drink of water or some food, it's just like you gave that to me. It's just like you were doing it for me, Jesus said. And so, of course, the lesson hopefully here that we take away is that our courtesy, the way that we care for other people should be proactive, seeking every opportunity to serve other people and that we should place value on the relationships that we have with strangers as well as our friends and our family members. And so courtesy means Acknowledging the presence or efforts of someone else. And so one way to do this would be in our day-to-day interactions. And of course, we kind of talked about this at the beginning. But when someone helps you, simple things like saying please and thank you and you're welcome go a long, long way to showing someone, acknowledging their presence or their efforts. You know, that whether it's that uh, person that's serving you at the restaurant. You know, one time I heard this tip. It's like, you can really judge what a person's personality, what they're really like in their hearts by the way that they treat the people who are serving them in a restaurant. And so if you sit down with somebody at a restaurant and they're really mean or they're really terse or they just completely ignore that that person exists, that tells you a lot about their personality. So saying please and thank you and you're welcome go a long way. I mean, if you've been to Chick-fil-A, you know, right? It's almost creepy, isn't it? What do they say? It's my pleasure. You know, and you've got, it's, of course, it's like a 12-year-old kid that's saying it. You know those are words that they would never speak on their own. It's my pleasure, sir, Right? That's why it's weird, okay? That's like, but their point is this. We want you to hear something that you don't normally hear so that you know we are thankful for the fact that you are taking your hard-earned money and you're spending it in this restaurant versus any other restaurant that's out there. 
We want you to know that your presence here matters to us. That's what they're trying to communicate with that. And so making an effort to go above and beyond in courtesy makes a huge, huge difference in the lives of others. It can even be as simple as remembering birthdays and anniversaries or sending a get well card to someone who is sick. And these are things, guys, that we've kind of lost touch of. And so when it happens, when we get that surprise card in the mail, it's like a really, really big deal. It's like, whoa, that's awesome. Like, that's so thoughtful that they, that they did that or a thank you card or whatever. And let me just say, I'm not really good at that. It's one of the areas that I've been challenged to get better. But another way to think about this is to consider this. When you've had a moment in your life where you were celebrating, like good things were happening, or you've had a moment in your life where you were hurting and you were in grief, what were the things that people did that mattered the most to you in those moments? What were the things? And so if we think about it that way, the idea is that we want to do those same things for people when they're in those moments also, celebrating with people, but also grieving with people. Uh, you know, if you're the person that just revels in all of the wonderful birthday messages on Facebook, you know, however many friends you have on there, it's just like, you're kind of going through all of them and at a certain point, you're just like, okay, I get it, a happy birthday. I know you remember because Facebook reminded you, that's great, okay, whatever. But at the same time, there's a part of that that's joyful. They didn't have to stop and type three words or whatever, you know? They didn't have to post the cat video on there, but they did because they love you. So it's a simple act of courtesy. Handwritten cards are another great way to do that. Um, Courtesy is simply an awareness of how you can love others in the same way that you want to be loved. And so I know some of you guys are uh, hermits and introverts, and so you'd prefer just to hide. Like, I don't want you to send me a card. I don't want you to acknowledge the fact that I'm 39 again, right? Some of you, yeah, I know. But the point is this, we need to do things for people in the same way that we want them done for us. And I think ultimately all of us love to be appreciated in that way. So courtesy is this awareness of how we can love others in the same way that we want to be loved. But one of the other parts of that is that we can take this, what seems like maybe to us, this ordinary encounter in our day. You know, oh, this is just an ordinary thing. I run into this person. I say, thank you. I'm at the gas station. I do this thing for this person. I help them scrape off their car or whatever. That ordinary moment for us could be like this extraordinary moment for that person. It could be, in fact, it is. It's a divine appointment. We should look at every interaction that we have with other human beings as this divine appointment that God can work in if we will just be aware and be present in those moments. And I think this is especially true when someone suffered pain or trauma or they're going through something really, really hard. So our courtesy may be the reminder of the goodness of God and the hope that we have in Jesus in the midst of their struggle, right? Jesus is that hope that shines through for all of us, hopefully in those moments. And we can share that with other people too. Uh, when we remember them and we're courteous for them. And so the truth is that we might even maybe be annoyed by the person. Let's go there for just a second, okay? Maybe it's someone that annoys you. Maybe it's uh, that person that's driving in the passing lane on the highway and they're driving under the speed limit. Maybe it's that person. Or maybe it's that person that's rude to you at the store. Or maybe it's just the person that's oblivious to everyone and their feelings around them. Well, Dr. Chapman states in his book that courtesy transforms moments of annoyance even into opportunities for grace. The remarkable thing is that it takes less time and energy to be kind than it does to get angry. Have you ever thought about that? The amount of energy that you, you expend getting angry, 
right? Your blood pressure rising, the negative feelings, the processing, the tensing of all the muscles versus choosing not to be angry. We expend a whole lot more energy and it takes a lot more to do that than it does to be kind. And so in these moments of annoyance in our lives, here's the trick. This is the question that we should ask ourselves. So when it's the person holding us up in the line, whatever it is, we ask ourselves this, how would I treat a friend? And maybe you would yell and cuss at the friend if they were going really, really slow in the passing lane. I don't know, maybe you need some new friends. But here's my thing. Most of us would not. Most of us would say, okay, well, obviously, you know, it's Pastor Bill and we all know that he doesn't drive that fast or whatever, right? Okay, well, he's my friend, so I'm gonna cut him some slack. Or I know what that guy's going through. He's my friend, so I'm gonna cut him some slack that maybe he's a little grumpy today. It's a whole different thing when we treat and we look at other people as our friends. And so we ask ourselves the question, how would I treat a friend in every situation that we encounter people? And I believe that it can transform the way that we live our lives. Uh, I became convicted of this as I was preparing for this message. As I started thinking about the way that I treat people, especially people that interrupt stuff for me. There's something about that, like uh, the over-eager survey petition person in the mall, right? Mr. Clipboard, would you please sign this petition so that we can get, you know, whatever on the ballot That frustrates me for some reason. I don't like that. Or the telemarketers and the scammers that keep blowing up my phone. I'm not talking about robots. I'm talking about real people. Just like, ah, stop it. How did you get my number, right? Or the man or the woman that's asking for money on the side of the street. Do, how do we respond to that? What do we respond to that? The salesperson who shows up at our door interrupting dinner. It's like out of all the times you could have picked to stop by, it's now, well, of course, because we knew that you would be home, right? So what if our response was more something like this? You know what? I appreciate that you're working so hard. I don't need magazine subscription slash cleaning products slash vinyl siding slash windows, whatever it is. I do appreciate that you're working hard. I wish you well. Have a nice day. Versus, dude, could you just stop? Did you not see the no soliciting sign, right? How do we create the space for this in our lives? That's probably the biggest question. And... I think there are a few things that we can do. There's actually three things that we can remember. If we want to create space in our lives for friendships, because that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to improve our relationships with other people. If we want to kind of expand our friendships in the sense of showing courtesy to other people, these are just three things that I have for you today that you can remember, take away. So the first thing is this. We have to remember that every person you meet is valuable. So speaking with love and learning to speak with courtesy is showing respect for others and communicating their value to you as a friend. And it's a very biblical concept, right? We see all the times that Jesus stopped. He was in the middle of something. He was doing this. Jesus was on his way here, but, or Jesus was going here, but Jesus was on a boat. And there's always these moments where he's stopping to address a need or to love someone. And I think the same thing is true for us, that every person that we meet is valuable. They're made in God's image. And we've talked about this before, but God challenges us in many ways. And one of the ways is to speak life-giving words to people. One way we can do that is to start conversations, to speak with love and start conversations. Now, I know for some of you guys, if you're an introvert, you're like, eh, no, thank you. I'm not good at that. That's not my love language, so to speak. This may be harder for some of us than others, but I believe it's important for all of us at least to consider and to try. Uh, When you consider that everyone that you encounter is a potential friend, what that should do, I think, is motivate us to get to know him or her. 
And so if it was someone, you know, and maybe you're better one-on-one, that's great, that's fine. But initiating, initiating a conversation communicates, I think that you're worth knowing and I have value, I value you as a person. I think that you're worth knowing and I value you as a person. And let me just say real quick that this is one of the things that I love and appreciate about Pastor John. I think that he is a master at this. Uh, He's great at uh, asking questions, whether he's known you for a long time or whether he's just meeting you. He asks all of these questions to get to know you because he really truly uh, wants to know more and cares about people. And so I've always admired that in him. Uh, So that's the first one, right? We need to start conversations. Another way we can speak with love is to give people our undivided attention when we're speaking with them. And This is a hard one now, right? This is really difficult. We have all of these competing things. I would just tell you that Buffalo Wild Wings is not the place to have a conversation with people, okay? Because it's like shiny objects everywhere. I can't even go in there because I just, there's too many things to see. Uh, Or how about this? You're in the middle of this deep conversation with somebody and you're like pouring out your heart or maybe they are. And then all of a sudden their cell phone rings. They're like, excuse me. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm, sure. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Brown or blue, it doesn't matter. I don't care, sure. No? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, sure. I mean, it's just a dog, come on. What? No. Seriously? Five minutes this goes on, and you're sitting there looking at this person, and you're kind of, okay, what do I do? What do I do with myself? And then they hang up the phone, and they say, excuse me, now what were you saying? As if nothing ever happened, and you're like, I don't even remember. Were we talking about blue dogs? What was that all about, right? Or how often do you see two people sitting across from each other in a restaurant and instead of looking deeply into each other's eyes, they're looking down at their tiny little phones? Or one person's looking at their phone and the other person is staring off into space while they Tetris or whatever they're doing out there, right? Now listen, with phones, I get it. There's exceptions. We have emergencies. Some people are on call and stuff. But let me just say, if you're always on call, you need to set some boundaries in your life. You need to change some things up because you have somebody that's in front of you and relationships should be a priority. Talking on our phones or staring down at these little glowing screens has become this new form of disengagement. Uh, If you go to events, like especially events where there's lots of dads waiting around for something to happen, what you get is this. It's like the moms are engaged with the kids or they're waiting on the kids, they're talking to people and all the dads are like, right? No one's talking to each other and you can't even get people to make eye contact with you uh, in those moments. So for us and our family, I'll tell you that we established a rule that it's a no cell phone rule at the kitchen table when we're having dinner together. Now listen, I get it. The family that memes together stays together. And so there will be moments in our meal where we'll pull out phones. Oh, I got to show you this crazy video. You watch this cat do a backflip. It's amazing or whatever. And so, yeah, we'll share in those moments from time to time, maybe towards the end of the meal. But the rule is this. We're putting the phones away because we want to focus on each other. And that rule is just as much for me as a dad as it is for my kids because I can be very easily distracted. And so noticing and paying attention to the people around us is one of the best ways, guys, that we can show love. And I would suggest that every one of us can think of somebody in our life that we know that when we sit down to have a conversation with them, we are gonna walk away from that conversation feeling like that person listened to what we had to say. And I would suggest to you it's because of this. It's because they pay attention. They listen. They make eye contact. They, they uh, initiate conversation as if they were talking to a friend. And paying attention is really just this simple art. I say it's simple. It can be difficult. But paying attention is just this art of being present in the moment that God has given you. 
So when you're sitting there with a friend, you're not thinking about what you're going to do in five minutes. You're not thinking about what happened yesterday. You're not thinking about all the stuff that you have to do when you get home. You're present in that moment with that person, whether it's your wife or your kids or somebody at work or whatever, that you are there. And so good eye contact, of course, is important to that because when your attention is focused on that person, you know, what I like to do is I like to imagine what a conversation with Jesus would have been like. You know, him sitting there with you and probably, I think he would smile a lot, probably, you know. And he would just look at you and listen and nod his head and respond. And yeah, you may say something wacky. And he's like, well, is that really what you believe? Is that really what you think about yourself? Paying attention, picking up on the cues so that he could encourage, so that he could love, so that he could speak truth. But mainly, I think he would listen, listen a lot. When your attention is focused on the person that's in front of you, whether it's having a meal or whatever, what you're saying is you are the most important person in my world in this moment. You are the most important person in my world at this moment and I value what you have to say. And I think that that's what we would like to have in our lives from the people that we love as well. So that's the first part of what we're talking about. Every person that you meet is valuable. And the second way that we make space for friendship in our lives by showing courtesy is remembering this, that every person you meet is struggling. So treat them with kindness. When someone is particularly rude or distant, take a minute to consider what might be the underlying cause. So this can be difficult if it's somebody that we're not familiar with or that we don't know. Um, as much as maybe our friends, because sometimes when you have friendship with somebody that gives you maybe permission to ask the question, well, what's going on with you? You all right right now? But behind every face is a struggling human spirit. And sometimes the struggle is rooted in physical pain or disease. And sometimes it grows out of a wounded relationship or difficult finances. But every person we meet today will be struggling in some way. And that's one of the reasons why when I get up here and, and I share you know, what God's showing me in scripture with you guys, uh, I'll often tell personal stories that I don't want to tell you because <laughs> they make me look like an idiot or like a jerk sometimes. But the truth is, I'm struggling too. Every one of us, we are all human beings, none of us better than any other. And I think it's important for us to realize that and understand that uh, we're not enemies, we're friends and we're in this together. Um, do you remember... In the times in scripture when the religious leaders would get upset with Jesus, think about those for just a second. They'd call him out or they'd say something to him or they'd be angry with him. What made them so upset most of the time? I believe that it was the time and the attention that he gave to friendships with the people that they disagreed with or the people that weren't living the way that they thought they should live and the way that he welcomed them into the kingdom. Right, even they can accuse him of being a drunkard or a glutton because he's hanging out with all these people that apparently were doing that, right? And we know, of course, that Jesus didn't always agree with everything that the people he met said or did. But what he did do is he saw value in them as men and women that were created in the image of God. I mean, think about just a few. Zacchaeus, right? Zacchaeus was a tax collector, and in that time, that was not a good thing, right? And so uh, he was ostracized from society. He didn't have any friends. And Jesus sees him, he's like, hey, I want to hang out with you. Can you imagine the astonishment of all the people surrounding? He's like, obviously, he doesn't know much about Zacchaeus, does he? Wait till he finds out. 
And then he spends the afternoon at his house. Or how about the woman at the well? Now, Jesus does speak some truths into her life, but he also takes the time to speak with her and get to know her. And we could go on. But Jesus knew that it was the Father's kindness that leads us to repentance. It wasn't the harsh word. It wasn't the smackdown. There are times maybe when he had to speak into people's lives, speak with conviction. But I believe that Jesus always did those things in love with the best interest of those people in mind. And so treating others with kindness also, and we talked about this last week, includes apologizing when needed. There are going to be times uh, when we blow it, when we speak rudely, when we do something or say something that we shouldn't have. And so our encouragement is that this shouldn't and doesn't have to end the relationship. Uh, What I'm learning is that people are very, very forgiving when we apologize sincerely. I think that that's one of the things that we see so much in our media, right? Someone makes a mistake and rather than just stepping up and owning it or apologizing for it, you see all of the maneuvering, right? All the things that they try to do to, well, I didn't really say that. Or, well, you know, that was a long time ago. I'm not sure I remember or all that stuff. When the truth of the matter is, if they just step up, yeah, you know what? I was a young idiot. I made a huge mistake. Please forgive me, people. People are forgiving, especially within this country. And so treating others with kindness also includes apologizing. And this can actually deepen our friendships, There are moments in our friendships where maybe we've done something or said something and we go to apologize and the fact that we take that step and we're vulnerable, right? We're kind of at the mercy of that person in that moment. There's something about that that can solidify and kind of really forge an even deeper friendship with that person. Saying I'm sorry when we make a mistake or we have an accident of some kind or something that we do inconvenience to someone else. Offering uh, what can I do to make this right with you? What would be appropriate? What do you need? And then, of course, if we're on the receiving end of an apology, once the failure of that person, once they've confessed their failure and asked forgiveness, our job is to not bring it up again, right? Or even hold it against that person. We're supposed to set it aside. Now, we may not be able to forget, and we talked at length last week about this. I won't re-preach it. You can go listen to it for yourself. But uh, it's an important part of what we must do if we need to make things right or accept an apology from someone. It's an important part of communication and loving people, especially when they're struggling, because sometimes we're the ones that are struggling. And then the third thing that we have to remember if we want to create this space for friendship in our lives by showing courtesy to other people is we have to remember that every expression of courtesy enriches someone's life. Show respect and care for everyone. Courtesy welcomes others into friendship with you and friendship with God. And so as we wrap this up, I just have a few questions for you guys to think about. What would your relationships be like in your life? If you treated every person that you met as a potential friend? What if every person that met you treated you as a potential friend? What difference would that make in you? What kind of encouragement would that be? What would your relationships be like if you chose to value every person's worth? Whether it's driving on the road, talking on the telephone, traveling, using social media, and even in the way that we interact with our neighbors and the people that God's placed right next door to us. What would those relationships be like if we treated those people with worth and with value? Valuable enough to stop what we're doing and talk to them maybe even. What would your relationships be like if you received others' acts of kindness and generosity with graciousness? So often, people will do things for us 
And we're so used to that happening, I think especially in our own homes, that we don't even acknowledge it, right? Oh yeah, my wife did the laundry again. That's what she always does, awesome. New socks, yeah, right? Rather than saying, honey, thank you for doing that. I appreciate it. What would your relationships be like if you spoke courteously to everyone, even with those with whom you disagree? Mm. So many times in this country, we resort to the lowest common denominator, whether it's name-calling or badgering or backing people verbally into a corner, whether it's through the way that we talk with our words or whether they're the way that we type with our words. What if we spoke courteously to everyone, even those that we didn't disagree with and seeing the value in them as a human being, someone that God created, someone that God loves? And how would our lives be different if we learned to express courtesy to people that we love, the people that we love most, the people that are in our lives? Think about that with our kids, right? If you're a parent in this room. And how far encouragement, I mean, our kids are gonna hear enough negative words directed towards them throughout their lives without our help as parents. And I get sometimes correction's important. But they're gonna grow up in a world that basically tells them often that they have no value, that they're not worth anything. We know because we've grown up in the same world. So what we could do as parents is we could express how much we love our kids, but also how thankful we are for our kids when they do things, when they serve someone else, and we notice that. We can do the same thing for our spouses and the other people that God's put in our lives. Noticing the places where they're helping, whether they're serving, whether they're loving us, all the secret little things that they do. so we can learn to express those courtesies to the people that we love the most. And I promise you that that will transform your relationships. Uh, when I've counseled people that are maybe struggling with their marriages before, one of the things that we do talk about is, yeah, I realize a lot of bad things might be happening right now, but have you noticed any good, what good things are happening? I'll ask that question. And sometimes it takes a while, but we can usually think of a few. And so a lot of times, the first step in healing those relationships is just focusing more on those things. Again, I'm not saying that solves every problem, but what I am saying is that so often we can just get this tunnel vision about the bad things that are happening in our lives. And I think God calls us to see and point out the good things that are happening in this world. So our challenge today is to practice courtesy toward everyone we meet. And that may seem strange to us, but I believe that... That's the heart of Jesus. I believe that uh, our courtesy is a daily act of worship. And so may our courtesy be that. May our courtesy towards others, the way that we love them and encourage them with our words, be a daily act of worship. Would you guys bow your hearts with me? God, I thank you for this cold, snowy day. And regardless of what the weather looks like outside today, God, I thank you that you gave each of us another day to live, that this morning we opened our eyes and we took another breath and that we were able to get out of our beds, God, and get dressed and prepare for this day that we would come into this place 
and find you here. We know, God, of course, that you're everywhere, but there's something special about gathering together with other men and women who love you. God, I, I just pray that you'd take what is admittedly kind of a strange sermon in some ways and that you would just use it in a mighty way. I pray, God, that as we move into our day-to-day life and Monday begins, that the areas that you've challenged us today, even as simple as some of these things may sound to us, God, these small things that we can do to live lives of worship to you, I pray that they would come back to our minds. And so as we go to school, God, and we're seeing other students that are there, maybe students that we struggle with, maybe students that are bullies or students that uh, we don't get along with or students that are on the fringes and don't get invited into fellowship with others. I pray that we would remember these things and that we would treat them as if they were already our friends. And God, for our workplaces, I pray the same thing as we go to work on Monday and maybe we've got that coworker or a boss that we struggle to get along with. Maybe even right now as we enter into Monday, we start to feel the tension of what we're gonna experience in our workplaces. I just pray for your peace and your patience and your wisdom. And God, I pray for those relationships that this week as we remember these things, just that you would work miracles in big and in small ways in our lives. And for the rest of us, God, whether it's in our homes or wherever we go, I just pray that you bring the good things to our attention and that we would acknowledge those and remember that when we welcome others, when we love others, when we're kind to others, it's just as if we're being kind and loving and welcoming you. I just pray, God, that our lives would be generous lives. And that we would share them with others in the same way that you share your life with us. We love you and we thank you. And I pray, God, you bless everybody as they head home. And those that weren't able to be here today too, God, I pray that this day would just be an amazing one for them too. We ask all these things in your name. Amen.